You are listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 10, brought to you by actionfigureblues.com. I'm Scott, and with me tonight are... Ben. And Andy. We're three guys living in Australia who collect action figures, statues, and other items from the worlds of comics and pop culture, and we like them so much we made this podcast just to talk about them. This episode, our Toy of the Week will be a set of rapid-fire reviews, and our discussion topic is Classic versus Modern. Welcome indeed, everyone. This is, in fact, episode 10 of the AFB podcast. We are celebrating being in double digits and delighted to be with you tonight. It's exciting, isn't it, gentlemen? Absolutely. Indeed. <laughs> Don't they sound the excited? Is, yeah, the podcast is heading towards puberty. Isn't that exciting? Oh, yeah. We're gonna, <laughs> we'll, we'll be legal shortly. That'll be pretty exciting for sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so... Our voices will change and there'll be a growing in strange places. It's going to be wonderful. Ooh, I'd be excited. <laughs> I'd be excited if my voice actually changed. That would be great. <laughs> I've been waiting all these years. <laughs> um, well, what have you been up to this week? What about you, Ben? What have you been up to? Uh, I have started my AFB custom challenge competition thingy entry. I've Ooh. got my figure selected. And, uh, yeah, I spent a couple of hours today on my, my rotary tool, my Dremel thingy, Any hits grinding on what we're away. Any be up against? Um... No, no. Uh, he's another big one. Oh, okay, great. But certainly <laughs> nowhere near as big. As, I, I learnt my lesson from the Mangog, and I'm definitely not going anywhere near that again. Okay. That was pretty exciting. Cool. And what about you, Andy? Well, I've been uh, looking in the window of Ben's house at his competition piece and working out a better piece to uh, combat it with. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. No, true. <laughs> no, um, actually, uh, if, if anyone remembers from a few weeks ago, my lovely wife bought me um, a whole lot of um, glass cabinetry from a, a uh, electronics retail that was closing down. Oh, yes. Um, well, well, today I had the joyous job of going down to pick it all up. It was quite a frenzy because it, it was the last day of the closing down sale, so there were people everywhere all trying to get that last bargain, a <laughs> TV or video game or whatever, and there's people everywhere just... And um, they hadn't bothered to pull my cabinets apart, so here I was in the middle of the store with my cordless drill and my tool kit with people clambering <laughs> all around me and asking me, what are you doing? What's that for? Are you buying that? How much to pay? Oh, what are you going to do with it? Are there any do more? Do have any more? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, there's, have a look around. I can see shelves and cabinets everywhere, people. Like, <laughs> so I bought this one, so go away. Did you get a discount then, for course, of... providing information? I should have. I should have. It was kind of hard. It's kind of hard with staff that really don't give a damn because they all lose their jobs at the end of the day. So, you know, yeah, yeah. It was an interesting situation. Yeah, I, I remember going to a closing down sale of a, a comic shop here in Melbourne on the last day, and uh, I, I encountered a, a similar thing. You know, this place was relocating, and all the people that worked there were losing their jobs, and so um, it was a little bit challenging trying to get service on that day. 
get them yeah, to engage. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, but, but you know, they weren't they weren't laissez-faire enough to let me steal things though. That was very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had a fantastic week. My um, uh, I've had a week with just one of my kids because my wife and other daughter have been away visiting her parents. And the thing that's been great is that the child that stayed with me is my little geek in development. She's the one that likes the same things that I do and um, likes her superheroes. And in fact, um, her bedroom is often the AFB recording studio because we have a very open plan house. And so I, this is one of the you know most contained spaces that I can get to record in that isn't a toilet or a bathroom. Um, and uh, and I'm surrounded by familiar things in it because she's got her own collection of um, pop vinyl toys and uh, that sort of thing around, so it's a, a good environment. But but I introduced her to Star Wars this week, um, which was oh. yeah, great fun. She'd never seen it before. And uh, I think I mentioned a few episodes ago that a little childhood disappointment of mine was that I had the uh, big reveal, and by the way, spoilers for The Empire Strikes Back <laughs> if you haven't seen it, um, I had the big reveal about Darth Vader being Luke Skywalker's father spoiled for me right before I saw the movie by some silly person in the movie theatre. And so I got to... Oh, no. I, yes. <laughs> um, so I actually got to have that moment with my daughter and to see her... Um, you know, be hugely surprised by that. And then in the next movie, uh, her her reaction to Luke and Leia being brother and sister as well, because I, I showed them to her in the order that I saw them, because to me, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the order that you watch them in. Um, so <laughs> she, so yeah, I wish that I'd had the um, a video camera to just tape her reactions um, because they were fantastic. So I feel like I got a little bit of my childhood back. It was great. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, we've got a lot to do tonight, too, and a lot of ground to cover. Being episode 10, we're also introducing a a new segment, which is a different take on our, our Toy of the Week segment. So we've got a lot to do. So without further ado, let us get started with a little bit of news. Anyone for turtle soup? Oh, no! Raphael's in the clutches of the evil foot flesh-o-matic torture machine! Will the turtle cycle make it in time? Will Raphael be destroyed by the retro-mutagen ooze? I don't know. What a shot! The double-barreled plunger gun saves the day again! And with their retro catapult, the turtles are giving the foot some of their own medicine! Anyone remember where we parked? From Playmate! Before we get to our main features... We like to start each episode with a bit of news. Articulated news is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. We're not a comprehensive toy news service, but these are just stories that relate to things we're interested in and captured our interest this week. So, let's start off with you, uh, Scott. You are Scott, aren't you? Yes? I am today. What news have you got for us? (laughs) Well, I guess the uh, the biggest news of the week, besides that I am Scott, um, was the big announcement from DC about the rebranding of DC Direct as DC Collectibles. Um, so basically, DC Direct is changing its name to DC Collectibles, but will now be offering its items directly um, through a web store. So interesting time to drop the Direct when you finally can buy the items from DC Direct. 
there you go mm. so essentially dc direct is now dc collectibles and the items are going to be available from the dc website as well as continuing through previews and local comic shops until they manage to um you know phase them out completely um and they are starting off with a web exclusive flashpoint set which is in true dc direct style um includes three figures that we've already had being the flashpoint batman wonder woman and flash and then a new figure which is labeled as flashpoint aquaman but is actually just the brightest day aquaman with his shirt painted red um i'm not cynical about any of this news at all can you tell no, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Not in the slightest. Completely unbiased news here from Action Figure Blues. Um, yeah, so I, look, I don't actually think that the the move is a bad thing. I the the name change seems silly to me. Um, no. I, and and I think DC Collectibles is a mouthful, and people are going to keep calling it DC Direct. But good on them. Um, I think that I, I'm glad at least to see that they have demonstrated a commitment to keep producing something because with the changes that have happened in dc over the last couple of years you know we've been wondering is this all just going to go away um clearly the products are focused on um the dc new the the new 52 um and you know that's fine there's there's definitely a, a place for that um but it's good i guess at least to see that dc is going to continue to make collectibles of some sort and um you know what we don't know at the moment from our perspective is whether or not they will have international shipping um on their website that remains to be seen um obviously from the aquaman perspective the flashpoint aquaman um annoys me a bit just because it's it's not a new sculpt and there's mm. actually room you know emperor aquaman i thought was an interesting character i'd love to have an actual figure of that and this ain't it yeah i don't know i i think instead of focusing on rebranding they should be putting their efforts into actually getting product out. Um, you know, there's there's so few action figures coming out from them this year. Um, the thing I, I find a bit disturbing is that traditional business model of using third party to build up um, a, a, I guess, a customer base and then circumventing them. Mm. Um, mm. So it's it's not just the local comic shop that is missing out now. It's people like Diamond who have done the right thing by DC Direct for a lot of years by distributing their, their stuff, and now they're, they're doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think out of principle and out of the respect for my local comic shop, if there's anything of theirs that I will be buying, I'll just be getting it through my local comic shop. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, looking at the comments that people have made in various forums about it, there are a lot of people out there who don't have an accessible local comic shop. You know, True. don't have a accessible place to order you know through previews and so there is a that is a limited audience and i can see you know that what they're trying to do is actually reach out beyond uh the people that do go to comic shops and do have access to previews to people who might just you know want this stuff on the on the web and not have the opportunity to do it and, and you know obviously there's a profit incentive in there you know for them as well but you know i don't i don't begrudge them the the move um yeah i don't know if you've got any thoughts about it andy 
No, well, I, I, I'm one of those people without a comic shop, but, um, you know, I have, have a supplier, you know, our own Mike S, that, that's looked after me for some time, and I'm certainly not going to take my business away from him. Um, so on that respect, nothing's going to change for me. It's an interesting idea. I don't know how it's going to go, but um, it just seems like, I don't know, DC is trying to distance themselves from the past and everything they're doing. It's just weird. Yeah, it's... I, don't, I, I don't quite get it. I don't know. I don't. Don't. I can't see what the aim of it is at all. Oh, it's, it's just making a lot of noise. It is. I mean, it's interesting. Really? I think we're going to touch on this in our discussion later in the episode. That you know, mm. they're, they're very focused on their current comic book offerings and having that reflected in everything that they do, um, and you know that that's a strategy. And mm-hmm. and there is a market for it. So you know, but it's a shame that it does seem like it's at the expense of uh, you know the more classic versions of characters. And you know, they definitely seem to be retooling all of their collectibles lines to reflect you know the current comics. And that uh, you know comes at a loss in terms of people that have been committed to collecting not just their action figure lines but the statue lines as well, like cover girls of the DCU and. You know, that, exactly. That sort of thing. Um, so, you know, but it, it's a strategy. Uh, I guess I'm just relieved in the short term that if there's any positive in it for me, it is that well, look, they are going to keep making something because you know, as long as they're making something, then the possibility that that we might get something that we like out of it exists, and that's better than not making anything at all. So that's the that's the way I'm looking. Yeah. At it. Um, yeah. Still, okay. still on DC Direct that they've. Uh, revealed a number of items in the last couple of weeks, and the one I just wanted to pick out was um, the Rorschach statue. Uh, It's labelled as the Before Watchmen Rorschach statue, um, which I think is interesting. Um, It is a fantastic-looking piece. I've seen that they've already shown the Comedian statue, now they've shown the Rorschach statue, and I'm going to find it very difficult to... Uh, resist these. Um, Night Owl is uh, my favorite of the Watchmen. I think he's just yeah. got such a fantastic look, a great, um, you know, a great character design. And I've always been tempted by the DC Direct mini bust of Night Owl, but resisted it because I didn't really, you know, feel like I needed the others. But I have a feeling that these statues are going to end up being mine. So that that's something positive yeah. for DC Direct. Well, it's a beautiful statue, isn't it? The movement in it's just stunning. I really love the way that um, just breathed life into it, basically. I mean, um, I don't buy a lot of statues, but he's been one of the more appealing ones that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, exactly. But just the movement they've captured and that determination, determined sort of walk that Rorschach has, it's just it's just all there. They've just captured the character beautifully. Yeah, and it's... It is, yeah. Look, I, I agree. I think it's absolutely outstanding. But something that I would love to know is the, the origins of plastering the character's name on the base. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, to me, the piece is the actual statue is absolutely gorgeous. But then you've mm. got this, his name in this, this gaudy writing yeah. in, in, in mm. huge sort of font on the base. And I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, yeah. I, I don't understand the origins of this this principle, and it seems to vary from company to, to company. But I mean, you know, how many people need a Captain America statue with you know the giant words Captain America written on it? It's like, oh, gee, lucky that was there. I would have forgotten. I don't mind mm. it when it is 
on the base flatch. Like if you think about the DC Direct Cover Girls statues, they have a you know, normally have the character's name in logo you know, on the base flat, but it's not something that actually um, looks out at you from the shelf. So mm. you know that doesn't bother me. But you know I agree. I think it's totally unnecessary and something that DC Direct doesn't do very often either. Um, but you know it's not the kind of thing that I think if you don't know who that character is by looking at him, then the name printed on it's not going to help. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's not like something you go, oh, who is that? Oh, Superman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's going to make a connection for you. You're either going to know the character or you're not. So exactly. not yeah. sure what things there. But I like the scale. I like it's 10 inches. You know, they've been doing a lot of mini statues lately, a lot of, you know, kind of six, seven inch statues like the DC online statues which are really good looking but basically statue prices for action figure size and so mm. you know I like that these are back to you know a more full size statue line um, so I'm probably in for at least you know the, the main characters um, but yeah I agree with Ben about the name label things I've noticed that on things like some of the you know sideshow life, life-size busts and yeah, to yeah. me, they really detract on those. Yeah. Really detract the name, the name labels on that. When it's that big, if you're going to spend seven hundred bucks on a life-size bus, then you bloody well know who it is. You don't need mm. a name, name label to remind you that oh, it's Captain America. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. Anything else from you, Scott? No, that's news no, for that's me. For you. All right, then. What do you got for us, mate? Um, well, first decent images of DC Universe classics, or what are they now? The um, Club Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis. Oh, I can't keep up. But, um, <laughs> Infinite Disaster. That's right, that's right. Um, the first decent images of um, Jay Garrick, a.k.a. the Golden Age Flash, and the Metron figure uh, hit the web this week, and um, that's certainly got plenty of people talking. Um, uh, Metron is an easy one. He looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I just they just nailed it in every possible way. I think that they, they really is um, quite a worthy uh, exclusive figure. The Jay Garrick figure, um, at first glance, he, he looks great. You, you sort of look at him and you sort of think, okay, he's probably on, you know, the buck looks a bit, you know, a little bit too big for him. Um, but, you know, he's got the plated helmet, which is apparently, you know, a bonus from Mattel. But then you sort of take a, a bit more of a look and you spend a bit more time and it's they've made some really interesting tooling choices um they've used one of the bucks that actually has an obvious belt and when you see him posed next to a couple of the other regular dc universe classics figures he actually towers above them so and just staring closely at the figure between his knee and his ankle he seems to have gained some height so i'd say that's something to do with the way they've tooled uh his boots and then of course when you add the the sort of you know whatever it is a fifth of an inch or or about sort of five mil from the belt um it actually gives him additional height so i think it was on action figure insider they had a photo of him next to a couple of other yeah. Uh, J, uh, JSA figures, and he's he's actually significantly taller than than most of them. That's even without the helmet. So the helmet just adds to it. So, look, um, I still think it's a great looking figure, and I have to give them credit for the fact that they did eventually deliver Jay Garrick. He was one of the most requested figures, uh, one of the most requested characters. So yes, we're we're finally getting him. So yeah, look, it's kind of like um, glass half full, half empty. I think. Um, 
there's plenty to be grateful for, but, you know. Mm. So I don't know. What do you think? Just going back to Metron for a moment, one thing that I did notice about the packaging is that it says Signature Series on it. Mm. And I thought that was interesting just because that's something completely new that's different from everything, you know, that we've had in the line and no kind of mention of it anywhere else. So, um, I mean, I'm not planning on keeping mine in the packaging, so ultimately it's not going to really matter, but I thought that was kind of an interesting, you know, we've got All-Stars, we've got Club Infinite Earths, we've got DC Universe Classics, and then what's this signature series Mm. as well? Mm. But the figure itself is fantastic. It's really good looking. But yeah, the J... Jay's going to end up being a bit tall for the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah, well, my, my, my concern with Jay was, um, okay, they've done the back metalised helmet, great, well done, but there's a scene running right down the centre of it that just... <laughs> it's very distracting if you have a look. It's um, That was the number yeah. one complaint that I, I was reading around the forums is that that yeah. scene. But, look, apparently um, Toy Guru came out and said it's not as obvious in person. He said it's just the way the photo was taken and he said to sort uh, of... Yeah. To trust him and yeah. oh well, know. why yeah, wouldn't well. we? <laughs> That's right. Hey, look, it could have been but, Matty. It could have been Matty saying, "Hey, trust me." So you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got to put your faith in a uh, fictional character. <laughs> mm. I'm sure a lot of people would have preferred him not to have the grey temples either. I think a lot of people were hoping for a younger-looking Jay, but looking at that facial sculpt, I think with a bit of paint, you could fix that quite easily. He yeah. doesn't. He doesn't sort of have that real aged face as such. So. Yeah. But, but full applause for um, Metron. He looks fantastic. Yeah. And one thing I was really curious to see how was how he looks sitting down. If you've got those horrible splayed action figure legs with the, the feet pointing in towards each other. But no, they've, they've engineered him perfectly. He looks brilliant. So, yeah. you know, I give, give, give credit where it's due. Metron just looks spot on to me. Yep. Good stuff. What else you got, Ben? Um, yeah, something that um, Sideshow announced during the week was a an actual Judge Dredd statue. Now, uh, our, um, the esteemed judge has been pretty quiet for a while as far as merchandise goes, so this one sort of crept up. Uh, it's actually from a company called Pop Culture Shock, and uh, they've this statue... I have that all the time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, this is a one-quarter scale statue, and now Joe Dredd's um, not a not a small fella, so we can only imagine this thing is gigantic. Um, the base is quite large, so that sort of gives him that additional height. So, I mean, it's got a price to go with it. It's three hundred and ninety-nine for the regular, or four hundred and ninety-nine for the exclusive, but. <laughs> Just looking at the images, it is a beautiful statue. Uh, if they can replicate this, what the you know the prototype uh, in the flesh, so to speak, uh, it, it's just a, a beautiful looking piece. The exclusive, uh, in particular, I mean, I, I don't know. It's quite weird, actually. I think I prefer the base on the 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 um, the exclusive, but then the um, then the regular seems to have a couple of extras, but. I don't know. It's uh, it's. I don't, I've never actually heard of Pop Culture Shock. Um, this no, was new. To, so, I mean, for a second, I thought they were the guys that do the um, those little what do you call it figures? You know, the the oh, vinyl. Funko. Oh, they Funko oh, Pop vinyl. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, that's the, the pop in me. My, my um esteemed eldest child collects the Funko Pop vinyl. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I just thought it was a beautiful piece, and it's nice to see them doing something different. So what's different? Is the exclusive just the different base? 
Uh, I can't quite work it out because in the the regular version, his lawgiver, uh, his gun is actually uh, ejecting cartridges from it. Mm, Yet mm. in the exclusive version, it doesn't. So I'm wondering if, if it actually comes at that price point, whether you actually get choices. Um, I've, I've got a Judge Dredd statue that was released by Mattel some years ago, and it's actually the same scale. It's quarter scale. It's very large, but um, his gun and his baton are actually separate pieces. You can take them out and then pack them away separately. So, yeah, I'm wondering whether you actually do get options. Yeah, well, I'm just reading it up here, and it actually says the exclusive um, comes with the additional base with the body of Sharky. Uh, okay. So you get... You get both bases with the, the exclusive there. So. Uh, that's probably why it's $100 different. That's right. That's quite a big bonus, really, isn't it? It's cool, cool be... to be given choices. Like, to be given choices yeah. about how you display it. I like that. Yeah, mm. want to be $500. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. Yeah, so, yeah, very nice. It is indeed. It is indeed. All right. Well, I've got a... Uh... Couple of things here that caught my attention. Um, we announced a few weeks ago how Captain Action was back on the scene and he was being released with uh, a Captain America and a Spider-Man outfit. Well, Doctor Evil, yeah, and Doctor Evil, not to be confused with Doctor Evil from the famous Austin Powers film. But <laughs> this is actually Doctor Evil, the nemesis of Captain Action, is getting a Loki costume. To go, um, to go with the yeah. non-existent Thor. That's right, yeah. Thor is well, coming. Thor is coming. Well, oh, they're, yeah. they're bringing out a Thor costume for Captain Action as well, so don't yeah. fret, Ben. You, you'll be able oh, to get both. Nice. So, and, it, and it is very much the classic Loki costume. All, all those yellows and greens and big horns and what have you. But, uh, Bless you, Mr. Kirby. <laughs> that's it, that's it. So... Nice complimentary piece for the Thor if he ever comes out, but if, if not, at least you'll have a, a good-looking Loki on your shelf there, Ben. I'm not, you'll be rushing out to get this fella. <laughs> um, look, I don't mind them. Um, I, when, I, when Michael Crawford did his review, um, I was quite taken by them, and I, I certainly like the whole retro feel, but um, I just for me, it's just a, an additional line to collect, and there's just just not enough wow factor to commit um uh, it's one of those things that i'd probably go crazy with the you know the completionist mm. in me yeah. so i figure it's easy just to stay back and if i don't buy one i won't get them all <laughs> yeah well i have to imagine a lot of people are going to end up buying a whole heap of captain action so they can have all their costumes displayed at once well that's yeah. right i'm actually i'll be talking about these in acquisitions because i got a couple of them this week and yeah, that's one okay. of the kind of things is that, you know, do I like these enough to buy all the additional, you know, caption actions, captain actions to uh, be able to display them all together? And then if not, do I really want to buy these? Exactly, exactly. Very good. I mean, they are fun. They're a nice retro thing. You know, if you like the Mego figures and all that sort of stuff, you're all, all for it. Um, so... I don't know. The, the, I think there's definitely a market for it. The market is definitely not me. <laughs> um, but they're a lot of fun. You know, they are a fun thing, and yeah. they will find a market. So we'll see how we go. But um, the big news, the big news, and I know Ben's right with me on this one, <laughs> is <laughs> Hot Toys have um, previewed and then solicited their uh, their, well, 
Jungle Hunter Predator, he's known as, or oh, sorry, City Hunter Predator, or uh, also um, he's called a Ghost Predator. But the is the Predator from the Predator Two movie has Ooh. been released in the twelve inch scale. Doing the dance of joy. Um, doing the dance of joy. That's the one. Funny. Um, they've moved really quick on this actually because they they put up some preview shots yesterday and then today they offered him up for sale. So they've moved really fast on this one. This guy is not due out till the end of the year, which the way Pop Toys are going with their overload with uh, production lately, we probably won't see him till early next year, I would think. That's, that's just reality. It doesn't bother me because it gives me time to save for it. <laughs> but um, I've already put my order in for mine. I, have you done the same, Ben? Uh, I haven't just yet. Uh, I, I was a little disappointed that Sideshow didn't offer an exclusive version. Uh, I've picked up many of the predators toys just uh, obviously because of their payment plan but also because you get that exclusive that little extra so yeah, yeah. i have i have held off because I, I think i can probably source it a bit cheaper elsewhere um but yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a definite for me yeah well I, I had to dig around for an exclusive too on it and i didn't seem to have any so i've already ordered mine from elsewhere because uh, i just didn't want to miss out on this guy this is there's only two predators left that i'm after and this is one of them so this makes me very happy. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, it's a two hundred dollar figure. You know, it's a lot of money for one figure, but if you're into it, you're into it. But uh, yeah, and yeah. I've got the rest of this year to save for it. So. Yeah, let's face it, hot ties have got us all by the balls. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what was really interesting when this figure was um, was first sort of announced and the preview pictures uh, hit the net was there was a lot of really negative feedback from from Hot Toys Predators fans and most of them claimed that this was nothing but a rehash and they were really mm. disappointed and the original one is so much better and on the uh, the sideshow collector forum uh, a guy actually posted a comparison pick of the the first city hunter compared to the new one and the the sculpt and the paint on the new one uh, are just so far ahead of where they were you know a few years ago uh -huh. that i can just only assume it's sour grapes it's, well, um, it's same the, the the older ones you know they're nice and they're fun but um they're just they're massive heads on tiny bodies to me when you look at them. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, uh, I don't quite um, understand yeah. the mentality of people who don't like it when something gets reissued because, you know, they feel like it devalues what they've got or, yeah. you know, when something mm. gets updated. You know, that's a, you know, I, I want people to be able to have what they want and it doesn't, and, and I don't know, maybe I might feel differently if I was in that position, but I, it just seems like sour yeah. grapes to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't quite get it, too. I mean, th this, for me, is a golden opportunity. And um, I, I, I never look at things as, as um, you know, what it's going to be worth to me financially five years down the track when someone else brings out a newer, better version of it. Um, I'm looking at it as this is what I've wanted. <laughs> I've got it yeah. now, so I'm happy. Exactly. You know? yeah. um, I, I know I know what you're saying, Ben. I, I, I read a lot of those posts, too. And, you know, for every... Every one post of someone being chuffed to see this thing made, there were five people going, "It sucks," because this is yeah. wrong or that's wrong, or it's you know it's devaluing what I've got, and it's just it, it's it's sad, you know. I was just going to say the thing is with the the Hot Toys Predators is they are not limited editions in the traditional sense. They they're not signed and numbered. 
Um, I mean, I can understand if there was, say, uh, you know, an edition uh, of a statue made that was 500 and it sold out and then the company went, wow, that was so successful, let's do another run. Mm. Um, you know, it's, um, yeah, these, these aren't limited editions in the traditional sense, yeah. so, you know, and get to, over it. to give Hot Toys credit, they, they have not yet gone back to the well in any of their lines and just reproduced the same thing. If yep. you look at the Iron Man um, reissues as well, they revisit that and they add, they improve, they add new things to it. Yep, um, exactly. So that, you know, if, you, if you've got the existing one, you know, that's fine. You know, there's something different there. You know, it, it's it, where they could just go back and make, you know, another run of the same thing. You know, it's a license to print money because people want them. You know, mm-hmm. Hot Toys Wolverine, you know, great example. Um, I was out at Supernova Melbourne today, and I could have had about three of those if I was prepared to pay five or six hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if they do mm-hmm. go back to that, they won't just do another run of that. They will do something, you know, slightly different with it. So, you know, credit exactly. to them. And don't we want them to be improving their artistry and improving the technology of what they're doing all the time. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I look at this now as, you know, I, I've only been a hot dogs collector the last couple of years and I haven't got a lot because they do cost a lot of money, so I'm very selective. But um, I'm going to have a set when I'm said and done that all match each other. You know, they're going to be in the same scale. They're going to be the same style. You know, they're not going to look... They're not going to look out of place like they, they were created five years apart. You know what I mean? They've been all been done around the same time with the same style, the same technology, and I'm going to be very happy in years to come when I look at those guys. Exactly. Is this where I say that all predators look the same to me? No, uh, you just keep your mouth shut. And okay. Just let us oh, this is where I, <laughs> this is where I keep my mouth shut. I'm not good at that. I'll try. Mm. <laughs> all right. Anyone got anything else? Oh, phew. Sorry. Let's try keeping my mouth shut. All right, then. That wraps up the articulated news. We're going to be right back with a brand new segment called Rapid Fire Reviews. You can make them fly or jump or crash your wall. Superhero action figures over seven inches tall. Each sold separately. Superman, Batman, Incredible Hulk. You can make them do their thing. Even make Spider-Man slide down a string. Lots of action for one and all. These superhero action figures each sold separately. Batman, Superman, Incredible Hulk, and Spider-Man each sold separately by Mego. So now it's time for a new segment, which is a variation of our regular Toy of the Week that we're calling Rapid Fire Reviews. Each of the hosts will take turns and in five minutes give you a comprehensive review of a selected item. So let's start with Scott, and remember, the clock is ticking. Okay, I've got my stopwatch going. Uh, My Rapid Fire review tonight is from DC Direct, which we've talked about a bit already, and this is from the MA Commie series, and it is their big barter figure, which came out, I believe, at the end of last year. Now, MA Commie, if you're not familiar, is a PVC statue series. It is um, a range of the DC female characters. It's a bit like the Kotobukiya Bishoju statue in that it's an anime style, but it's different in that these are... 
revisioned in a sense for that more anime uh, line. So whereas the Bishoju statues of characters are really just anime translations, fairly literal, of the characters in their normal costumes, these statues are a, a bit more creative in that they take license with the idea of the character. And Big Barda is a, a great example of that. Now, I have certain uh, figures, statues in my collection that I call back shelf pieces, and that's uh, because they, they are, you know, perhaps a little bit more revealing, or there's a little bit more, you know, cleavage happening that uh, my wife might take a bit of an issue with, so they go at the back of the shelf so that they're not quite so notable. Um, I cannot think of a better example of a backshelf piece than the DC Direct Big Brother and a Kami statue. It is a fantastic piece, um, but there is definitely an emphasis on the cleavage area. And, um, you know, understatement. Uh, understatement. Um, it's, it's a really interesting, um, <laughs> a really interesting styling. She's kind of been styled in a bit of a, a pirate um, sense. She's got an eye patch happening. She's got tattoo, a, a tattoo happening. Um, and she's got some interesting features that are somewhat new to the M.A. Kami line. They've introduced a bit of articulation in these, even though they are statues in these PVC pieces. She's actually got two or three points of articulation. She's got um, both a, an one arm and one leg that moves. So you've got a bit of rotation there in terms of how you pose them. Um, and she's also got a couple of accessories. So things that can um, be included or not included. She's got her, her weapon, that staff of hers. I can't remember the name of it, um, which is a, a separate piece that she can hold. And then she's also got uh, a parademon head that uh, is a loose piece, but it can sit on the, the base, which is a bit of a, just a, a fun touch. This is designed by Jim Fletcher, and it's sculpted by Jonathan Matthews. There is a fantastic amount of detail for, you know, a piece of this size and this price range. She's got some metallic paint being used as well um, that really brings, you know, adds some depth to the piece. She There's a, a lot of sculpted detail, so any of the lines on her costume are sculpted in. And um, there's some scale work I mean, in terms of scales on her, on her costume, which are fantastically done. And when you add in the, the accessories, the articulation, and the ample cleavage, um, she, she makes a fantastic piece if you like that kind of thing. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah she's kind of like a combo of Barda's two most famous, famous outfits in a way, isn't she, really? Well, that, that's true. She's got the... Yeah, she, it's it's almost like she's got uh, her her normal gear on, but she's lost some of it, and then she's got the trade the her bikini um, happening underneath it. So, you know, but it's one she wore when she was much younger, rather than the size of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Or it, it's shrunk a bit in the wash that the top yeah. has. Um, yeah. So you know, if you if you like the normal barda. Um, gear with the plated armor and the, the you know that that blue gear, then that's there in pieces. But then if you like the you know Barda bikini um, that she has sported on and off, that's there as well. So um, I think you know all Barda fans should be happy, and any fan of cleavage will also be delighted. 
Um, but yeah, I, look, I have to say I'm, I'm a fan. It's definitely something that goes at the back shelf because I don't want to get in trouble. And it is it is a bit on the edge of what I would consider too much. I, I, I'm denied a little bit about whether or not I was going to add this one just because of that issue. But when I saw it in the shop, I just thought it was too good a piece to miss out in terms of the series. It'd be definitely one of my favorite pieces in the MA Comi series. And uh, I'd have to say that overall I am delighted with it. And that brings me just exactly to my five minutes. I'm well, done. Well done. Sure. Well done. <laughs> Very well, I, nice. I stretched it out there just to fit. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ums and ahs just to sort of add the time out there. No, no, I, That's I, my I trick. Come on. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I don't um and ah. I just, you know, expand my words a bit. But I'm handing over to Andy now for his five minutes. Oh. <laughs> All right, so Andy, what are you going to do for us? All right, I'm surprise, surprise, I'm doing another 12 inch figure. <laughs> <laughs> now, this week, I'm not, not going Predators or any of those, I am going Star Wars. I'm giving you a quick review on the uh, da, Captain da, 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 da. Sorry, theme music, yeah. Captain Rex, a character. Um, that has not appeared in any of the movies, but is actually um, probably arguably the most popular character on the Clone Wars series. Now, I'll give you a little bit of background on Rex for anyone who doesn't know who he is. He is a clone, of course. He's a clone trooper captain. Um, uh, he, of course, um, he's uh, leading the, um, the Torrent Company, which is um, probably the... Or what would you call them? The elite company of the five of the five hundred and first legion, the legion that Anakin Skywalker is the general of. Now, um, Cap- Captain Rex, although he's only a captain, he seems to hold the equivalent rank of a commander. He's he's definitely Anakin's number one, and um, I guess he's like the the gunnery sergeants of the old Marine Corps. They seem to actually have more rank than than would be suggested because uh, Rex really is the go-to guy in the Clone Wars, and I guess that's why he's so popular. Hmm. Now, um, Rex Rex comes with um, two heads. Basically, he comes with a sculpted head, which is a very very good likeness of Tamara Morrison. And Rex actually shaves his hair quite fine and dyes it blonde, so that's all featured. As and you then, do. That's right, that's right. A lot of the clones you find try to find that little bit of individuality to stand out since they all have the same face. So, you know, that was Rex's choice. Uh, and then the other head is his um, helmet, his, his Phase 1 clone helmet. Um, now, Rex Rex has got his own individualised markings on his armour and his helmet. Um, eventually, the whole 501st adopted the blues on their armour as well, but at the start it was only Rex. Uh, he also has a sensor tracker scope on his helmet, which can swing downwards, which is another nod to the Fets because they had the same thing on their helmets. So, <laughs> um, just those subtle little differences. Um, his armor is beautifully done, beautifully done, nicely weathered. Um, very subtle aging, very subtle damage. Um, his camera, which is uh, like his pauldron of rank around his neck, that that is also just beautifully finished. I really can't cannot um, find a fault with the way Sideshow um, put put the effort into ageing and damaging the armour on these clones. It's just outstanding. It really is. Uh, he's got a black linen bodysuit underneath, which is much better than the earlier vinyl ones they're doing, which is causing all sorts of grief people have got. They're apparently starting to mark the 
armor on a lot of these clones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's a big thing. And he also comes with a jetpack, which actually attaches to his back by a magnet. Now, you'd think this would be quite, quite um, shady, but it holds exceptionally well. I'm really impressed with the way they've done this. So there's no straps to fiddle with or argue with. It's, it's, it's spot on. Uh, as far as accessories go, he comes with 13 interchangeable hands. So there's 13. lots of options. 13. Uh, all sorts of things, signalling and holding and what have you. He's also got uh, two separate sets of feet, um, which is which is something Sideshow has been doing with their clones recently. It's a great idea because you can pose them in running and crouching poses and all that sort of stuff. Okay, so it's articul- articulated differently? Or... That's right. Okay. That's right. So toes are turned up and what have you, so great options. Um, he also comes with his standard clone trooper rifle, um, and standard clone trooper blaster, and also his pair of uh, pistols, which um, is, is quite synonymous with Rex. Everyone sort of pictures Rex and sees Rex running around firing his two blasters. That seems to be his, his sort of classic cowboy look. Um, sculpt is beautiful on the weapons. Comes with... The only thing that disappoints me, and I might redo this myself, is the weapons aren't aged and um, and looking a bit worn like the armour is. You've so got 30 seconds, put... Andy. I might put a bit of fatigue on them myself just for then. But overall, I'd say of all the clones, and I've got quite a few, he is by far my favourite. Um, he's just got that bit of uniqueness about him, and also he's a real badass on the show. Uh, he's the kind of clone you love, and very hard to get now, very popular. But all in all, best clone on, that Sideshow has done so far. Can't fault him. Beautiful. And time. Wow, well done. Woo-hoo, good job. Well hey, now, done. Coming in nice. Can, hey, can I ask a dumb question? Because I, I don't watch Clone Wars. Oh, no, you explained that. You explained that he was blonde. <laughs> yep. Okay, we'll scratch that. Um, yeah, no, you find a lot of the clones, they, they do things with their hair or they get facial tattoos. They just do things to make themselves look individual. A lot of them, it's just, yeah. Yeah. No, I was, that question was just hanging there while we were... You know, while you were talking, and I was thinking, okay, mm. that's different. I wonder, you know, I wonder why. Yeah, they're all the same. They've all got the same voice, you know. So they, uh-huh. they're trying to ways to individualize. Since individualize. I ordered my Hot Toys, um, Luke, I'm finding okay. it so difficult. I don't have any Star Wars, um, you know, besides my original figures from when I was a kid. But I'm finding it so difficult to resist some of these sideshow pieces now that I know I'm going to have. You know, a, a Star Wars piece, and I'm trying to be really good and thinking, no, no, just stick to the, you know, stick to the hot toys, stick to the hot toys. But mm-hmm. well, some of these sideshow pieces are just fantastic looking. Yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually done with sideshow now. I've got everything I wanted, and um, so I'm really happy. And the, you know, I, I've followed all the Star Wars movies, you know, but there's something about the Clone Wars has always captured my imagination, and I just really enjoy more. I just, mm-hmm. I guess it's that whole era of Star Wars in between. You know, episode two and episode three, when so much was going on in the galaxy, and the Jedi were so active, and everything else, and so it's just—it's just a really exciting year in the Star Wars saga for me. So that's sort of what my collection centered around: is the Clone Wars. Good on you. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, moving forward, I guess that leaves myself to do the five-minute review. Okay, I'll start the clock for you. Okay. Have we started? It started. Oh, no. All right, moving forward. <laughs> um, I'm going to be doing the Gears of War Anya Stroud figure 
Now, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Gears of War, the video game that uh, appears on the Xbox 360. Not um, really, no. This figure comes from the new uh, the new series, Gears of War 3, based on the Gears of War 3 video game. Now, Anya Stroud was a character who, she first appeared in, in the first game. However, she was kind of like the, the their contact in the operations centre that would pass information through to the two main characters, Marcus and Tom Lentz. And so Anya was sort of featured through the first couple of games, but in the new game, in Gears of War 3, Anya has actually, I don't know whether you'd say graduated, but she is now actually a field operative. So she is now a gear, meaning that she's actually one of the, the actual troopers that that, um, that goes in the, the Coalition of Ordered Governments uh, Army, the COG Army. Hmm. Now, what's really cool about this figure is the, there's a, a huge jump. Now, this is a Necker figure, our buddies at Necker. And between Gears of War 2 and Gears of War 3, now, they certainly had plenty of waves per series, but there was a lot of talk about the figures for the Gears of War 3 series being totally revamped with improved articulation and that sort of thing. So uh, as you probably know, a lot of the early NECA figures didn't have a lot of articulation. They really focused on that that sort of sculpting element. Mm. But NECA have responded to requests and they have improved their articulation. Now, what's really cool is Anya is actually the first female figure in the Gears of War line and they, they couldn't have waited till a better time. So not only does um, do we get the first female cog, but we also get her with the, the, the new and improved articulation. So it features 30 points of articulation. And probably the, the thing that stands out on this figure, she's obviously a lot smaller than the other figures because um, the guys are just so much bigger. But most of the articulation is really subtly hidden because of the, the various armour that she wears. So things like the, the joints around the knees are subtly hidden by the knee pads and the same goes for sort of the way they've incorporated the, the joints into her ankles with the boots. And so it, um, it really does do wonders for the figure as far as posability but without sort of revealing any sort of hideously ugly joints. <laughs> but Probably the thing that stands out the most with this figure, uh, and actually most of the figures in the series, is the paint job. They are just exquisite. When you, you look up close at the figure, the level of detail, like there, there is a slot, which you know you expect with a figure at, at this price point, but the detailing on the armour, the, the leather effects, the metal effects are just superb. They really are amazing. And there's just so much detail. There's even like little, I don't know what you'd call it, some kind of a like a serial number or something like that. Um, she's got a couple of Band-Aids on her arm from sort of, you know, that's what tough guys do. <laughs> and so it's just, and I just can't help but compare this to, say, DC Universe Classics. And you just, um, it really just, there, there's no comparison. The, the NECA have just blown this um, completely out of the water. It's fantastic. Um, now, as I mentioned, Anya is, is, of course, female. And she, she really does have a great head sculpt. They've, um, she's got sort of the shorter hair now. Um, one of the things I did notice with these figures when they first came out, because her face is so nicely sculpted, um, her eyes are just so fine that you actually have to be careful when you pick one that you don't get that 
that sort of Marty Feldman look. It doesn't take much for, (laughs) honestly, it doesn't take much for one of the eyes to be slightly off. Mm. And, you know, because she is attractive, it really throws it off. You've got this, this really weird chick with this crazed look, you know, looking at you and it's, um, it's really off putting. So, uh, I, when I actually picked mine up, uh, I actually went through about four or five of them on the shelf and, and picked out the best ones. So the one that I've got is actually really, really good. Yeah, about uh, I was 30 actually, seconds. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a second figure. So thanks to uh, our buddy Anthony, a.k.a. Jack Knight, he picked me up a second figure when he, he picked up a couple of other figures for me. So um, I'm lucky enough to be able to customise figures and uh, I'll be converting my second one into another one of the female cogs from the game. So, oh. look, she clocks okay. in at um, just under, oh, sorry, just over six inches, so she's a touch shorter than the average DC Universe Classics figure. She fits in quite nicely. Her accessories, she comes with the standard Lancer and assault time. rifle. And it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. It's good, eh? <laughs> no, 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 love it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that brings us um, – that, that sort of wraps up the rapid-fire reviews. That's something different. So, uh, look, we'll probably mention it in the feedback. But if you like what we've done tonight, let us know, and uh, we might feature it on a, a semi-regular basis. Good fun. It was indeed. It was indeed. All right. Well, that wraps up Rapid Fire Reviews. When we come back, we'll be talking about the new items that we've added to our collections this week. They're going to fight. They're going to fight. I thought Daniel wouldn't fight. He's got no choice. Justin, you must fight to the finish. Remember, Daniel, son, true strength comes from heart. He's going to do it. Discover the secrets of karate with Karate Kid Fry Action Figures. Concentrate, Daniel, son. They chop, twist, and kick. Karate Kid Tri-Action figures are each sold separately. And for more action, look for the Karate Kid Competition Center from Remco. Why are we all here? We're all here because we collect. So feeding the addiction is where we take time to check in with each other and discuss any new acquisitions or pre-orders that we've made. So today, I'm going to start off with Ben. Okay, well, I've been a bit uh, bit dry the last couple of weeks, I think, so I've got a, a few <laughs> things to make never up never dry, Ben. Yeah, that's right. No, not like my sense of humour. So, I, um, I picked something up in, uh, oh, actually it was last week, and uh, Scott is 100% to blame for this. So, I take um, no responsibility. <laughs> no responsibility. Um, one of the things I said that I, I would never do is duplicate characters in statue lines like with Bowen and that sort of thing. I've always said that if I can get a great version of a character, that's it for me, fine and thanks. But um, actually about six months ago, I pre-ordered a statue that should probably be here next week, but I, I figured it was significantly different enough that, that it wasn't a repeat. So um, I, I, I stick to that. But then... I saw the new Randy Bowen uh, action Thor statue with the spinning hammer. It was one of the statues that I was um, paid a lot of attention to when it was being developed on um, via statue marbles. And uh, I just, when I saw the finished product, I just thought that's just gorgeous. It's um, absolutely just he, he knocked it out of the park. But um, I've got the original Bowen Thor, the one where he's up on the rock with uh, Mjolnir up in the air, and uh, that's a favourite of mine. So I thought, no, no need to get it as much as I want it. And then uh, a few episodes ago, Scott mentioned that he got his and said how gorgeous it was, and he went on and on and on about it. 
And um, that got me thinking, and I went back and revisited um, the site and had a look at the images and thought, dag nabbit, I, I want that. So, um, so yes, I now own a, a Bowen modern action Thor statue. So, yeah, thanks well for that, done. Scott. Well done. Well <laughs> done. So, yeah, and look, have to agree with Scott um, right across the board. It's superb, absolutely superb. It's, um, I, I think it's possibly one of the best he's ever done. Yes. So We, should, we um, should talk about that in a future episode. I think so. That's convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and something else actually picked up. Um, I'm a big fan of the comic book artist Bart Sears um, and I, to show that I'm not just a, a Johnny-come-lately with Bart Sears, I actually have actually I'll start at the beginning many, many moons ago I actually bought a couple of pieces of original art uh, by Bart Sears um, Justice League Europe pages and I was really dead um, determined to actually get a cover by Bart Sears, and so because this is sort of pre-internet days, I think going back to about 90, gosh, 94. There was life before the internet? There was, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about how to contact him when I was sort of heading home from school on my dinosaur, and um, (laughs) um, and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm just going to write two or three letters care of a couple of different places and see what happens. And so I, I wrote this letter saying, hi, Bart, big fan of your art, um, even picked up a, a few original art pages, but, you know, I'd love to track down one of your covers uh, from somewhere, but I, I just haven't found any around. And about um, six weeks later, this package arrived in the mail and I had no idea what it was and, you know, it was sort of large and flat and that sort of thing and uh, it was a big padded envelope. And I was sort of halfway through opening it when I noticed the, um, who it was from, and it was from Bart Sears. And when I wow. took it out, uh, it was just jam-packed with stuff. Um, wow. It was, at the time, he was working for Valiant, and he was just about to get underway with um, the Turok series, for those that remember Bart's art on Turok. And it hadn't actually hit the shelves yet, but he actually sent me photocopies of all the pencils for issues one and two. Wow. So I was flicking through these, these photocopies and... Um, I just, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm checking out Bart's uninked art from, you know, issues one or two. And then there was a whole bunch of prints, like, you know, the, those sort of half A4, whatever whatever size that is, that um, they hand out at conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there must have been, oh, there must have been about 20 assorted prints and they were all signed. Every single one of them was signed. About half of them were to Ben, best wishes kind of thing. And I just thought, wow, what a cool guy. Then yeah, the letter was, was very, uh, was quite a long letter and, and Bart was quite complimentary and, and grateful and quite astonished that he um, had fans as far away as Australia. So anyway, I, as you can imagine, I was over the moon and inside the padded end was this sort of really big, heavy piece of cardboard and at first I just assumed it was in there to stop things getting damaged but then on closer inspection it was two pieces of cardboard and then I separated them and inside was a piece of original art. And I'm not sure if people remember, but many moons ago when Bart did a storyline in um, Legends of the Dark Knight, um, there was uh, an in-house ad that actually ran through all the DC Comics advertising this particular storyline. And Bart actually sent me the original art for that particular page. Oh, wow. So, as you can imagine, um, I have since picked up 
every single thing that Bart does, um, huh. not just as a fan, but almost out of um, you know, obligation, I think. Um, and look, this is a, a really, really long intro, but um, basically Bart recently announced on his Facebook page that he was finally doing a, a sketchbook called Odds and Ends, um, and it's a, and pieces, both finished and, and sort of preliminary pieces. And he uh, obviously was sending them internationally, but for a, a nominal fee, he also did a sketch version. So they're, they're limited to 250 and if you paid a bit of extra money, you would get a sketch version. So on the inside back cover, Bart do a sketch of his choice. And so I obviously paid the extra money and I, I sort of communicated with Bart's wife, Michelle, and um, mine arrived in the mail. And it was like Christmas, actually, because not only did I want to sort of get it out and have a look, but I was busting to see uh, the sketch. And it uh, turns out it was actually Batman. So oh, it's cool. Kind of this, yeah, it's this kick-ass <laughs> kind of head sketch of Batman. So um, huh. I'll make sure I'll, I'll scan it in to include it in the... Um, the podcast, but yeah, I'm absolutely Excellent. chuffed. It's uh, yeah, really, really sort of a, a, a nice, um, a nice addition to my Bart Sears collection. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, look, I've waffled on long enough, I think, and uh, yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> that's enough, I think. <laughs> You've done well. <laughs> what about you, Scott? Um, I had a couple of things this week. Um, I mentioned before that I received the Captain Action. Uh, 12-inch figure, and also the Spider-Man and Captain America costume sets. Um, mm -hmm. Look, uh, I'm going to have to take some time to decide whether or not these are actually my thing or not. Um, I, you know, I've been interested in it. Mainly, I, I don't have a big Captain Action interest, but I, I like the, the costume set idea. Um, one of the things that really appealed to me um, about these was that they come with different pieces of a costume to make Hawkeye so that by the end of the six figures that the six sorry costume sets that they are planning which includes the Loki that we mentioned earlier you have a costume to make Hawkeye and the Hawkeye costume looks fantastic um oh. so you know I, I think I, I'm definitely impressed with the quality of the costume sets um the only thing that is a little bit challenging is the heads because the um, the different headpieces for Captain America, for Spider-Man, and then there's an unmasked um, head for each one. They're not swap-out heads. It's actually a plastic mask almost that goes over the Captain Action head, um, which mm. is quite challenging to put on, and it does make the head, I think, look a tiny little bit oversized. It's not as bad in person as it is in some pictures that I've seen. Um, and I'll have my pictures of Captain Action and Spider-Man up shortly in a review at um, the blog and then Captain America a bit later on. L look, they are really impressive sets. I'm just not sure whether or not, as I said before, I like them enough to, um, because the, the costume sets don't come with a body, so you've got to buy yeah. a whole other Captain Action yeah. if you want to display each one. I have a feeling it might be something that I end up collecting and displaying the one I like best um, and uh, keeping the rest of the costume sets just for, for fun. Um, but, you know, interesting, great, great quality costume sets. That You know, the the gloves, the, the, the boots are beautifully detailed. There's great accessories. Um, in them, lots of nice little touches, um, but probably just a little bit outside of, you know, what I what I normally collect to, to, 
make me moved to buy all the extra captain actions that I'd need to be able to display them. But you know, f full um, credit to uh, Bonfire, the people that are producing these. It really is a, a fantastic um, product. And for people who love Captain Action, they're going to love this. I, I have no doubt. Um, it wasn't, can I just ask, the, yeah. the theory behind the figure, wasn't it that he's sort of like a master of disguise? And so, yes. yeah, you have the basic yeah. figure and you can swap out his outfits. So that's kind of the, the reasoning behind the different outfits without the figure to go in it? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And I mean, that is. And if you go back to the classic, you know, Captain Action stuff, there was, you know, there was, um, they ha had a DC license back in the day. There's an Aquaman set, um, mm, yeah. as well, which I've seen on eBay for ridiculous prices a couple of times, and I'd love it if they got a DC license and and uh, did that. So yeah, that's the whole idea behind it, and uh, it's very lovingly done. Very lovingly mm. done. The packaging, both on Captain Action and the costume sets is beautiful like you know to the point where i really thought can i open this it's just so, you know, it looks so good but you actually can repack it all you don't, okay. you don't have to destroy any of the packaging to open it um it is you can repackage it all so if you want to keep it just to be able to look at it and it might actually display for me better that way if i don't want to buy additional captain action pieces uh, but you know great figure fantastic articulation um, you, you can look. I'm not great at posing figures; it's not one of my strengths. But I found it really easy to pose the figure in a number of different ways, particularly for Spider-Man. You know, do a number of different things that um, could do. That it comes with a couple of different sets of um, arms and hands for Spider-Man. So there's different positions. You've got kind of web shooting and then other fist and um, hand positions. It, okay. come, it comes with, the Spider-Man set comes with a, um, a set of web shooters and his kind of classic belt, so you can have either oh, um, yeah. cl classic you know, Spider-Man or have it without those, and then a couple of extra bits as well. Unmasked Peter Parker head, normal Spidey you know, head, uh, camera for Peter Parker, uh, a copy of the Daily Bugle. So it's lovingly done, lovingly done. And the Captain America set, which I didn't get time to fully unpack the other day, um, has got options as well for more of a classic look, more of a modern mm. look. It's got two different shields. Um, so it's got his, you know, his common shield that we know, but then it's got his classic shield shape shield as well. Um, so lovingly done. And uh, if you if you like the Captain Action line, if you like 12-inch figures with cloth costumes, then you're going to go nuts for these. So de Excellent. definitely worth checking out. And you know, regardless of whether I buy Captain Actions or not, I'm in it for the Hawkeye costume because just the bits that I've got, um, I think it's going to look fantastic at the end. So it's worth yeah. it to me um, for that. I, and the Loki preview that we saw looks fantastic as well. So, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, you know, something fun and uh, something different, which I always enjoy. The other yeah. thing, the other toy that I got this week was the Hot Toys Michael Keaton Batman. Um, and I'm not going to say too much about it because it's an obvious toy of the week candidate for the future. Um, <laughs> it is just, but it's bloody awesome. Like, it is just, yeah. the, the packaging um, is fantastic and they're really you know, knocking themselves out with... I, I like this packaging probably even almost better than the Superman packaging because it's just a bit more 
sustainable in, in, in terms of you could co- kind of keep it and display it that way if you wanted to. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, Superman packaging was amazing but so big that you kind of have to take it out if you want to display. So it, it's an amazing piece. Um, I got a chance to look at a couple because I picked it up from our, spo- our sponsor, Pop Culture, uh, and oh. went and had a bit of a chat to them and looked at their amazing warehouse and they they just gotten them in so i got to have a look at a couple and they look fantastic um so really impressive piece and then the other thing a bit different that i bought today was i bought myself a dremel um you know, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I know i'm a baby customizer um i'm working on my second custom at the moment which is for our new custom competition it's not a passion of mine uh, but yay team spirit um, but, <laughs> good on you man good on you but, go um, stop Go yeah. Scott. <laughs> but um, I, I fiddled around. I finally found a I, – I, I, for some reason, I got an idea for my character right away, but I've been fiddling around for a base figure for ages, and I finally found one, but it does require a bit of uh, dremeling to get some bits off it that I don't want, and I tried with this kind of normal – craft sandpaper and it wasn't going to work so i went out and yes. you know, yes. bought the cheap and nasty dremel version interesting little note on dremel um mm. in, in australia because i was at uh, the victorian hobby center right in the center of melbourne this morning chatting to the guy there and i asked them if they had dremel and he said that um bunnings basically has got uh the corner on the market of selling dremel in australia and they have do. made it impossible for hobby shops to carry them Yep, they do. They so do. Go globalization. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually have a I have a Ryobi. Um I had a Dremel yeah. and I broke it and I've now actually got a Ryobi which I find is um it actually has the same shaft size as Dremel, so you can use all the Dremel accessories and oh, vice cool. versa. But it's actually interesting, you know, you've now you've got one and they're quite handy, but mm. um as as someone who sort of does customizing and stuff you go oh man it's so awesome you know having this tool it's going to be so helpful and you'll soon realize that basically anything that you do that involves the rotary tool just sucks like (laughs) it's it's even you know it's noisy as hell the pieces heat up there's there's you know resin dust flying everywhere (laughs) it's just a miserable time i I spent about two and a half hours on my dremel today and um on my rotary tool and i was covered in powder and it sucks yeah scott Scott, don't use it indoors. Oh, just, no, no. No, no, because it does. It literally goes everywhere, that yeah, stuff. It's definitely oh. a garage a garage mm-hmm. job, that's for sure. I, I don't have a huge amount to do, but I just have got some bits that have to come off in order to, to make it work. And I just – so anyway, I thought, time to have a go. So there you go. Good on you. Yeah, my first Excellent. journal. Excellent. And that, that's, that's it for me. Okay. Oh, I haven't got much this week, especially compared to you guys. <laughs> but um, I actually achieved a grail this week. Yay! I've, Yay. I've um, uh, the DC Absolute Editions. I've wanted a copy of um, Darwin Cook's The New Frontier since it came out. But um, anyone knows these these Absolute Editions are quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, you know they're well over the hundred dollar mark out here and. I assume they're not far off that overseas as well. And I've actually been very patient with this one. I've had money sitting aside for it for a long, long, long time. And finally someone came onto eBay this week with a brand new one that just wanted to get rid of it cheap. And I was there to strike. So uh, a dream achieved at last. It's on its way to me right now. So um, 
very excited to finally achieve that. There's only one more absolute edition I'm after, which uh, I'll keep watching, waiting for that one to drop in price too, which I'm sure it will eventually. But um, they're, they're beautiful books. I don't know if yeah. you guys have got any yourselves, have you? Or? Yeah, I do, and I, I do have the New Frontier one, and I think it's one of the best. Mm. Yeah. It, they, you know, there's a few of the, the DC absolutes that um, are a bit disappointing just because there's no real extras in it, which to yeah. me is part of the appeal. Um, well, that's that's yeah. our point of it to me, too, yeah. yeah. But um, the New Frontier one is definitely worth having. Beautiful, beautiful. I can't wait to get that one, my grubby little mitts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I might wash my hands before I open it up, just because just, just I should. <laughs> Good stuff. But um, other than that, the only other thing I got this week was um, what I mentioned earlier on, was the, the, the Predator 2 um, City Under Predator, so... I won't be seeing that for a while, but it's on order and order, and I know I'm going to get it. So that's it for me. Good on you. All right. If no one else has any other items to report, it's time to award another red card to something or someone in the toy universe. What is this bizarro world? Red Carded is a chance to poke fun at the what-the-fuck moments in our hobby, be they unusual announcements, a complete fail of an action figure, or something even worse. Handing out the penalty this week is Ben, so over to you. So, uh, I don't have an actual name to go with this. I think this red card is just going to be uh, awarded, um, I guess, pretty broadly because there's quite a few eBay sellers that fall into this category. But, um, you know, we all have our sort of little grail items that we keep an eye out for on, on eBay. And I was having a bit of a look around the other day and I came across an item that was uh, very well priced. And... As usual, the first thing I did was to click on the link and actually check to see if the seller would ship internationally. And there was no mention of international shipping anywhere, so I normally proceed with my usual um, inquiry to say, would you ship internationally? Now, the item was actually up for bid, but also had a buy-it-now price that was sort of, um, you know, considerably higher, but even the buy-it-now price was quite reasonable. So I sent uh, a message, you know, and I did my usual polite, hi, you know, would you be prepared to send internationally if I accept that postage will be higher and, you know, I'm liable for customs duties and all that sort of thing, and I basically got a single word response of no. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay, um, I guess, you know, he answered my question. And so I actually kept an eye on this item through the rest of the week and it didn't even get a single bid, which I thought was quite odd. And then when it got down to about, I think it was about sort of 16 or 18 hours to go, I actually sent the guy another message and I said, uh, I noticed that you haven't got any bids. Um, if you'd be prepared to send internationally, uh, I'll actually use the buy it now price and, and just buy it outright. Hmm. And I thought, oh, you know, that'll, that'll be enough to get him motivated. And um, sure enough, the auction finished and I didn't actually even get a response. Hmm. And I thought, okay, oh, wow. well, that, fair enough. So um, I actually left the, the item in my eBay watch list and sure enough, I got that email that you get that says, um, you know, an item that you were watching has been relisted and I always, you know, check, I always click on those to see what they are and noticed it was the same item. So I went in again and had a look, only this time the person had relisted the item, but instead of an auction price, uh, it actually just had a buy-it-now price, and the buy-it-now price was $70 US, 
less than the previous buy it now price. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no. And seriously, I I started to I thought well you know I was prepared to pay the original price so um I, I quite quickly um, contacted a couple of our US pals and um, yeah. Anthony and Ian and, and asked you know if I PayPal them the money would they actually buy it for me but um, someone actually beat me to it for this oh, item man which okay look you know that's fine it was, um, it was a bit of a bit of a hassle to sort of articulate and get these guys to buy it at short notice but um, mm. yeah I'm just quite interesting that, that this person was obviously wealthy enough that they were prepared to to give up seventy dollars um <laughs> rather than go through the hassle of of you know putting a few extra stamps on a, a box and filling out a uh, a declaration form um so yeah I, I don't know whether to give the red card to this particular seller or maybe to the, the international buyers who have somehow um you know caused our u.s sellers to become jaded with international postage so yeah quite a shame really um it, it was a it was a holy grail I'll, I'll keep an eye out but um it was such a good price i don't think i'll see one at that price again so mm-hmm. so yeah this ebay seller and sellers like them get my red card of the week boo to you unbelievable. Mm. that's shocking <laughs> throw away so much money <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a bit of a tough gig being you know out here trying to use ebay sometimes and, uh, mm. you know, I, th- I think that, you know, we've talked about this a bit on in different threads in the the forum that I think postage and the postal you know, system is a bit different in the States in that, you know, people don't go to the post office as often. They may not be quite as accessible. And so, yeah, and you do have to go into the post office if you want to ship internationally. And so some people just don't want to put up the hassle mm. with it. But when you're talking about that difference in price... Um, it seems like a very, very silly decision. Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, when I was in the US last year, uh, I posted several items um, back to myself, and that included both first class and priority. And uh, I didn't have a hassle with either. Um, you know, the, the staff at the post office, uh, one was in Anaheim and one was in San Diego, were extremely helpful. The process was simple. Um I, I just, I don't know, I, I don't get it. Uh, I mean, I've been ordering, I mean, I can remember ordering comics from a company called American Entertainment in about uh, 1989 was yeah. when I first started buying stuff from overseas, back issues, uh, and I've been buying stuff from all over the world, uh, predominantly the US, ever since, and I've only ever had one issue, like one ma- major issue in all that time, hmm. so... So whoever those other people are who keep sort of stuffing it up, um, yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> well, it's funny, uh, Ben, you, you remind me of a story from last year. I actually um, found an item on eBay that I'd been looking for and had a, had a good buy now price, and I did the same logical conclusion. I checked whether they shipped internationally. I said, yes, we do ship here internationally. You beauty. Um, so I bought it as, a suit, as, as you would, and... Uh, I get an email from the seller saying, um, we don't actually ship this item internationally. <laughs> and I wrote back and said, well, on the sale page it says you do. I said, no, sorry, we don't. We cannot ship this item to you. I said, well, okay, fair enough. I haven't sent you any, any, any money or anything yet anyway, so let's just call it a day. He says, and he writes back and said, no, you still have to pay for it. What? <laughs> well, that was my reaction. <laughs> 
And I wrote back and said, how do you figure that one out? And he wrote back and he said, well, you hit the buy it now button. I said, yes, on your, uh, on your page that says that you would ship it to me internationally and you will not, so I'm not paying for something that I can't get. And he said, well, you're going contrary to eBay's policy, so I'll report you. What? I said, <laughs> I said, but not actually sending it? It's not contrary to eBay's right. policy? That's right. I said, I just wrote back and said, you go right ahead and report <laughs> And anyway, yeah, a complaint register came through and um, I got a, a uh, email from a eBay representative and said, um, don't worry about this, we're going to make this go away very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I just wrote back, thank you very much. <laughs> that is was, hilarious. Yeah, he reckoned I still had to pay for it, but he's not going to send it to me because he doesn't ship internationally. But he said he'd buy it now, I had to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. So how's that that, that's, that, that reminds me a bit of the eBay, eBay seller I had recently who, after I won the auction, messaged me right away and said, by the way, I, re I do not take PayPal. And I'm like, uh, yes, you do. <laughs> because you know, it, was, it was an Australian seller. Um, and you know, so he was saying, I don't take PayPal. You have to pay by bank deposit. And I just completely ignored it and sent the PayPal payment because – you know, eBay policy is that you have to accept PayPal. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they sent it. They they, they <laughs> sent it. You know, they obviously tried tried it on, and you know, it's one mm. way to. I'm I'm sure it, it can be annoying sometimes. Um, you know, paying double fees for the the sale to eBay and then through PayPal as well. But that's the life of a seller, and we all wear it when we're selling. So I was like, nope, sorry. <laughs> And, uh, I know um, our, our buddy Nick, aka Tyrock, he had a great one. And uh, look, I'm sure we could we can have a discussion topic about this yes, you know, yes. in the future. But um, Nick actually had one where he bought a GI Joe item, and the guy in the US sent it to him, and he actually sent him the wrong item, and it was. Um, and so Nick contacted him, and he said, "Oh yeah, that should have actually gone, you know, such and such." And he actually asked Nick to then um, post the item to the actual the, the seller, uh, sorry, the, the buyer of the item. So it's in the person who should have got the item. Um, Nick was supposed to send it to him before this guy would actually send him the replacement. What? Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy people out there. Well, I think eBay gets the red card today. Yeah, <laughs> dumb eBay sellers. Get the red card today. I think it's very well deserved and enough said. So we're going to be right back in just a moment when we stop chuckling with our discussion topic of the week. Yay. That's just crazy. <laughs> in trouble! Scramble the Storm Eagle! A Joe Storm Eagle has a hidden water cannon that shoots up to 20 feet. But the Cobra Liquidator's making a splash and the Parasite's launching catapult missiles. Mobilize the Patriot! It's the G.I. Joe Patriot with a huge mortar cannon that really fires! G.I. Joe Patriot, Storm Eagle, Cobra, Parasite, and Liquidator sold separately. I found the Barracuda! But Duke's gone! So glad you could join us! <laughs> Okay, our discussion topic this week is an absolute powder keg. It's one that's been around for quite some time and usually gets quite a lot of debate. We're going to be talking about classic versus modern, but not just the preferences people have, but what it means for the toys we buy and how it affects those buying habits. Uh, it's easy to choose one over the other when a company like Bandai gives us a choice and makes both classic and modern Thundercats, but what about when you hear about a, a character being featured in a line like DC Universe Classics or Marvel Legends? Are you passionate enough to want to 
specific incarnation of that character, or are you happy just to see the characters realised in 3D? So here we go, classic or modern. What do you think, guys? Well, I think the uh, the starting point in all this is um, classic and modern, the definitions themselves. I mean, the way I see it, every single person seems to think that a, a classic begins and ends at a separate point. Mm. I mean, you've got guys who've, you know, followed comics all their lives or in their 40s or their 50s, and, you know, um, the golden age, it, it's all there. They've they, uh, they followed it for a long time. They don't like the new stuff or they do like the new stuff, you know. Um, and then you have a lot of fans who who are only raised on the cartoons and the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, they're not even based on, on um, comics at all. So, you know, at the... Someone who's 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 grown up on um, like Batman the Animated Series and Justice League Unlimited, they're they're only used to one style. So yeah, you know it, it's a it, it's a tough starting point just to define where people find what is classic. I, I think that for most people, if they're you know, truth be told, classic to them is whenever they first encountered the characters. Mm. So mm. you know, for, for instance, let's use um. Flash as an example. Yeah. Um, to me, classic Flash is Barry Allen because Barry was Flash when I started reading. Now, yeah, yeah. There, there'll be other people who started reading, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, and Wally is their Flash. Be- you know, Wally West is Flash to them because he was Flash when they started reading. So, you know, that yeah. era that started reading when Wally West was Flash and Kyle Rayner was Green Lantern, you know, mm-hmm. th- to them, that's their Flash. That's their Green Lantern. And now that that's changed, they would consider that classic. Whereas to me, that kind of era um, is more modern because it is later than when I encounter the characters. You know, my, mm-hmm. my Flash and my Green Lantern are always going to be Barry Allen and Hal Jordan because yep. that's the Flash and the Green Lantern that I know. Um, yep. whereas... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have to... I mean, look, I, I'm not not sort of disputing that, but I, I'd actually say that I'd be the opposite with the Flash. Like, I certainly started reading when Barry was the Flash, um, but I only had sort of a handful of years with Barry as the Flash, whereas I've had... Um, you know, over 20 years plus uh, of Wally as the Flash. So um, for me, he's been the Flash three times as long as Barry. Um, and so to me, you know, as much as I, I do like Barry, um, I think Wally is the Flash for me. But that's not, I mean, Wally, I actually prefer Wally as Flash than, than Barry. I'm not saying mm. that, I'm saying the idea of what is classic to you. Now, yeah. now that if you look at guys now who are really you know, passionate about those early Grant Morrison JLA years, for instance, um, you know, they're mourning Wally and Kyle not being prominent characters anymore. Exactly. Because when they came on the scene, you know, that you know, some guys, that's when they started reading comics. And so that's, you know, who they identify as their characters. And so to them, that's classic. To, you know, yeah. to them, exactly. they, they, they want, that they want, that backward, they you know think back to that as kind of the the great years of comics because that's what they identify. Whereas I missed that, um, you know, I I missed Kyle completely um, as a as a prominent character in the DC universe because he was introduced 
well after I stopped reading comics, and by the time I came back on the scene, he was starting to fade out. Um, so yeah. you know, I've never seen him as a Justice League member. You know, I don't, I don't have a real appreciation for him. To a lot of people, though, he's their Green Lantern. Yeah, well, it's, quite, yeah. it's quite funny because I was the reverse. I actually came back into comics. I had the hiatus away, chasing girls and doing silly things, and came back to comics. When I came back, it was was the Morrison JLA. Hmm. You know, we had Kyle and Wally, and I was like, "Who are these guys?" Yeah. And then I, I really grew to love them. I really dug them as characters. Yeah. You know, so it was it, it was funny, but you know, Barry and Hal are still classic characters as as far as a term but but yeah as far as Kyle and Wally I really I really fell for them as characters I liked I liked I celebrated their differences really as it was brilliant you know but they're classic to me I've been having a really good think about this topic and and what it means for me um and I, I was just sort of scanning over my shelves looking at sort of the Marvel Legends and DC Universe classics just sort of seeing which characters popped out at me and um as far as a, a preference, not not actually what do I define as classic and what do I define as modern, but more about my preference for a classic or a modern version, because I guess they're, they're two sort of different topics. But, um, I, you know, it really is, um, I think a lot of it comes down to nostalgia. Um, yes. we, we, yeah. we attach uh, a certain level, we have a certain level of attachment to a character at a particular point in time. It might be, um, you know, when you, you first got into comics it might be that you read a, a storyline that just completely blew you away and and for you that that sort of version of the character is now definitive and i was actually amazed that uh, i mean i'm a i'm a classic kind of guy i mean um you know i love jack kirby and um you know i've, I've often gone on about my captain america thing um you know there's the whole bucky barnes situation but steve rogers is captain america and don't you dare change his costume mm-hmm. um but, you know, on the flip side, as much as I love Kirby's Thor, uh, I've actually become quite fond of the new Thor costume. Uh, would I take that over the original in action figure form? No, I'd still take a classic. But looking at some of the characters on my shelves, um, there a couple sort of stood out. One was the Punisher. Um, if you go back to the Punisher's early incarnation where he sort of had the, the goofy, you know, white boots, white gloves, you know, white belt and that sort of thing, um, I think he's far more effective the way people like Tim Bradstreet um, depicted him on the cover of um, Garth Ennis's run on the Punisher where he's sort of more of a military guy with the, you know, the trench coat and just the white skull. I think that's a a much more defined look and and by no means is that classic. Um, And, and yeah, that was actually something that repeated uh, across quite a few characters. Hmm. So I guess, you know, if we're thinking about this in terms of action figures, because that's our, you know, our brief, Mm. you know, are you – I I am not the kind of person that can – look at a version of a, a character and you know, that's being made like as a toy for the first time and think, you know, I'm not buying that because it's not the version that I, that I like. Mm. I know some people are really militant to say like, no, you know, for mm. instance, um, you know, we've got uh, a modern black lightning in DC universe classics. I'm not buying that cause I'm waiting for the, you know, the classic. Now, I, I yeah. like the classic version of Black Lightning in terms of his costume a hundred times better than the modern, but, you know, I will still go, great, Black Lightning in DC Universe Classics, I'm going to buy mm. that. I hope that they make the, the classic version. Where, where do you guys stand in that regard? Well, um, I look at uh, 
my team building here, you know, I'm trying to keep them all specific and keep them the same. But um, as far as eras go, um, it's not a relevance to me. I actually, I'm building up a JSA and a JLA, and basically it's, I'm working on the characters, um, the best looks they have for them. I'm not standing, I'm not standing the 40s JSA over here and the, the um, 2000s JSA over here. Hmm. They're all standing together. And it's purely, you know, these are the team that's gone through the generations and this is the way I like this character to look, you know. If, if you're from 1940 and you're from 2010, fine, you can stand together. This is the look I like for you. If I don't like this character, you're not going to be in my team. You're not going to be standing there. Hmm. But um, yeah. to me, it's I, I don't segregate them. It, it's a character I like. If it's the look I like, I go for that, put them all together. They're all part of the same team at some point in history. That's the way I see it. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Uh, I'll always take classic. Um, I'll, I'll just flat out go with classic. If if I obviously the Punisher was an example where if I had to take the classic um, John Romita Punisher as he first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 29 over no Punisher at all, then yeah, sure, that's what I'd take. Uh, I'm an I'm a universe builder, um, so. Any new character made into an action figure is a, is a win for me. Um, so that's first and foremost, and, and then I guess I would have my preference. Um, but something interesting uh, I noticed uh, on Critical Mess when we, we threw up the, the topic for discussion, um, Palinor actually said that um, he doesn't collect toys to remind me of last week. I collect toys to remind me of my youth. And so it's interesting that, that we do get these uh, figures because they, you know, remind us of, of great times. Mm. Um, so, and, and obviously, I guess a lot of characters, thinking back, a lot of characters had their, had a certain look for a long, long time. Mm. Uh, it wasn't probably until mm. the 90s that, that a lot of characters really started to change looks. Mm. And so, yeah, there is a... A, a set classic look for what ninety percent of characters. So it's easy to say, um, you know, that you'd prefer one over the other. But um, classic is the one that most of the people are familiar with. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone's going to identify Batman when you see him in blue and grey with the yellow oval, even though you know that look hasn't been used really principally for a long time. But that's always the Batman look for me. You know what I mean? And that's what you call classic. You know, that's, that's Neil Adams. That's going, you know, the era. I mean, you still get merchandise now that's still got that Batman plaster all over it. Well, see, I think Batman is one that you can get away with because tweaking his yeah. costume, changing the length of the ears or shading him from blue to grey or whatever, yeah. um, you can get away with doing that. And, you know, he's still Batman. He's still on the shelf and people will still buy him. But... Yeah. Um, you know, for people who aren't as established as that, you, you get some very, very different looks. Uh, I mean, one of the ones that strikes me at the moment is I'm reading The Invincible Iron Man, and the um, the villain at the moment is the Mandarin. And if you if you actually recall the Mandarin character, you know, he had that traditional, you know, he it, it almost, um, you know, atypical um, oriental look, you know, he had the big robes and that kind of yep, thing. Yep. Um, now he's actually just a guy in a suit. Hmm. Um, you know, he, he runs his own country and um, he, he's a suit 
guy in a suit with 10 rings on his fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, which would I prefer? Well, gee, let me think about it. Mm. Um, it's interesting that you mention that particular character, though, because um, I noticed on Statue Marvels uh, in the last couple of weeks there's a, a Q&A with Randy Bowen thread, and someone asked about, you know, if you do Mandarin, will you do a classic or modern version? And Randy Bowen said classic. And quite a few people you know, came back and said, oh, no, please make them modern. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, which to me I find bewildering because, as you said, he's a dude in a suit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whereas the classic um, Mandarin is a really iconic, recognizable costume. But I think partly mm-hmm. it's, again, it goes back to it's what you know. If, you, yeah. if if what I know of you know that character is that he's doing the suit, then that's what I want. Um, yeah. I guess you know one of the reasons why this is such a contentious issue is because for those of us who who do like classic versions, we have had you know a number of occasions where we get the modern version of the character without the classic ever being made. Yeah, um, and and those are the things that that really great. So. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind for me as a, a really recent example is uh, Captain Boomerang in DC Universe Classics. I, I, I'm a Flash fan. I love the Flash rogues. Um, and I think that, that that classic Captain Boomerang, the, the look that he had for decades, to me is one of the, you know, the biggest things missing in terms of DC action figures that we've just never had. It's a really recognizable, iconic look. And yet when we finally do get Captain Boomerang um, made for us for the first time, we get a look that, you know, he had for a very short period of time um, from from Brightest Day. Um, And and a look that actually, you know, he's not even around at the moment in the DC News, so who knows what it'll look like again, whether or not he'll still have that one. You know, those are the things that feel like salt in the the wound, aren't they? I don't know what examples of that regard come to mind for you guys? Um, well, I mean, it's quite a few. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I, an example for me is Marvel Legends, when they did the Red Hulk series, they did an Adam Warlock figure and it was Adam in his new costume mm-hmm. and uh, it's not one that he had a lot of appearances in. It wasn't his traditional sort of red and orange costume and uh would i have preferred the original yeah sure but the fact is i've now got an adam warlock figure yeah Uh, so it's kind of hard to yeah uh but i suppose with captain boomerang um you you know you it's it's a very very different look you're almost talking about you know a young guy in spandex suddenly becoming like an old geezer in a jacket yeah yeah Yeah. um but i don't know and it's it's an interesting one it's it's almost like because a lot of us collectors have been collecting for a long time and reading comics for a long time, there's almost a sense of entitlement. Um, you know, we're, we're an established fan base, so if you make the classic character, we'll all buy it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough argument to... Yeah. It is. I mean, that's a, an issue in a couple of the discussions that we started about this online. It's something that I've been, you know, challenging people to say look don't just tell us you know what you want tell us why and yeah. and then furthermore explain why you reckon that you should that you should get it and i think that particularly for fans of the classics and i, and I put myself firmly in that boat i will always want the classic version of the character first if, if i have a choice 
but I think that you know sometimes in that entitlement, if you want to talk about powder keg, you know that's a explosive word that can get some people going. Um, mm. But you know sometimes I think that we in in our brain it's a no brainer to us that we would prefer this version of the character, but then we can equate that to oh you know you guys are. Uh, sitting on a gold mine and if he just made this version you know everyone would buy it but you know i just have to stop and and wonder is that actually true because at the end of the day we are dealing with companies that are profit driven and they are going to you know adopt a strategy that is going to maximize their profit and are they really going to sit on uh, the opportunity to make a bucket load of money and not use it. You know, to me, mm. you know, I wonder, do, is there a market base for this as strong as what we might think it is? We know that it's what we want and what the people that we talk to on the internet want, but is it actually big enough to sell these figures? Um, you know, and I think that's a question that we've got to face up to. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. We're only a small amount of people, really, when you think about it. You don't know how many are out there that would actually justify it. Whereas what's now and what's hit, what's current, I mean, that's always been a thing. It's not just it's not just limited to comic characters. It's everywhere, isn't it? So, True. you know, it's, 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 it's an ongoing thing. It's, it's the marketing people say, well, this is, this is what people want at the moment. This is what they're getting. And I think it, it comes down to the size of the fan base too. You know, I mean, you look yeah, at exactly. you look at um, you know comics and how many people are buying comics at the moment, and it's a pretty small market compared to yeah. other things like, for instance, the fan base that Star Wars has. Um, you know, Star yeah. Wars Star Wars has you know had every character that you can possibly think of that's you know appeared for a microsecond in some form. You know, gets a it's a toy, but that's partly because of the size of the fan base um, yeah. that's there, and that there are people out there that will buy that, whereas, you know, we we don't have the same you know, number of fans, and I think that we've got to be careful that there's a line mm. between expressing our frustration at not getting what we would like to get, and um, you know, turning it into a, a conspiracy uh, that mm. is, you know, people are you know, out there with the ability to, to make it happen and just not doing it to spite us. And I don't think that's actually the case. Yeah, I think, too, that some people don't also pay enough attention to, you know, the fine print. I mean, there might be those people out there who are jumping up and down and saying that if only they would make a, you know, a classic Dr. Midnight, I'd buy it, everyone would buy it. Um, you know, to be a guaranteed seller. And that might be true, but that person who then gets their classic Dr. Midnight may not also be the same person who picks up the classic, um, oh, jeez, I don't know, um, Phantom Stranger. You know, as an example, they, you know, they may get they may get the one classic figure that they want, but they're not necessarily buying them all, and you know, therefore, you're not sort of generating those sales that you need to sustain those kinds of figures. Uh, and you know, if if people were really that passionate, then you know, why isn't DC Universe Classics still steamrolling along? Yeah. Well, yeah. Or or just go back to DC Direct, for example. You know, when DC Direct started. And partly because they didn't actually have the license to make Superman and Batman at the time, um, you know, they started with classic characters. They started with the Golden Age 
JSA characters. They made Phantom Lady. They made mm. you, know, you know a number of characters that would be pretty obscure by you know modern age um, standards. And uh, you know you have to think that one of the reasons why you know and one of the big frustrations that people um, had with DC Direct and why they get a lot of shit piled on them, you know, online in forums these days is because they didn't see those teams to completion. Um, yeah. But, you know, you have to think that, well, there was a, obviously a reason for that. It's because there weren't the sales to support it. Um, and, and I remember when uh, Mattel got the DC license and when we had those first couple of waves of DC Universe classics, um, at the... The, the fandom reaction and the message board reaction was, you know, finally we're going to get our complete teams. We're going to get, you know, all the things that DC Direct never, never gave us. Well, if you look at the discussions now about DC Universe Classics, you could swap DC Direct, you know, for DCUC, and it'd be the same complaints, the same, you know, things. Mm. So you kind of have to wonder: is it, you know, incompetent, you know, managers? Is it, you know, is it? these people out there conspiring against us or is it the fact that classic actually doesn't sell well enough to sustain um lines for an incredibly long time yeah, yeah and i think too that when you know that quite a lot of the conversation um on on places like critical mess um i think you know palinor and and gardner grail and guys like that mentioned it, that, you know, this, this company, uh, these companies are businesses and they are about profit. And so you'd have to sort of wonder, um, giving us a character like a classic Dr. Midnight, um, it doesn't do anything for them. Um, you know, there's, there's no sort of, um, there's nothing really in it uh, for them. However, you know, you look at some of the toys that are coming out like DC New, such as the new Superman in the new costume, um, that's the brand that is going to be everywhere soon. Yeah. So it's it's not yeah. just toys. It'll be on placemats and pencil cases and underoos and everything else. That is the brand that they'll be selling. That will be recognisable across multiple media. So when you do have to fill a slot with a character, with a look, then, you know, you don't owe anyone anything, but when you can choose a character that is recognisable across brands, um, why wouldn't you pick one that has a higher likelihood of, of selling more units? Mm, absolutely. And if you, and, you know, look at DC or Marvel, you know, if, if they can sell uh, collectibles that are reflecting the comics that they've got out there at the moment, then why wouldn't they? You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, it, it's not a, it's not a defense. It's not a, a, I'm not, I'm not defending them in that, you know, they're not doing what I would like them to do, but I can understand why, um, they push those things, you know, that if they're trying to attract new fans, cause let's face it, we're getting older and, mm. you know, we're not going to be around. Well, you know, I, I'm going to be around forever, but you guys are going to die eventually and um, <laughs> I'll miss you. Um, and the, the, um, you know, and that they've got to build the fan base before the whole thing dies out. And so for, mm. you know, and for the young people, and the young people are out there, you know, I mentioned before, I was at Supernova today, and, you know, the average age there was about 13, 14, mm. I'd say. But, you know, if you look at what they're dressed up as, they're dressed up as anime characters. They're dressed up as video game characters. Um, you know, they're, that, that's where their focus is. That's what's grabbed them. And mm. if comics doesn't actually pull those guys in and create, 
create a, a fan base. It's going to die out. So if they want you know, to get those guys reading comics and then those guys who they are, they're buying video game action figures, they're buying anime action figures, you know, if they watch action figures, they're going to want to find the action figures that reflect the comics that they're uh that they're reading now. So why why wouldn't DC, for example, think it's in their best interest to have that product there for them? You know, yeah. it, I think we, we've got to face facts. And, and I guess kind of flowing on from that as well, I think that sometimes we've done ourselves a disservice as well because when we do get what we want, you know, quote, quote unquote, you know, go to any forum and you can find 20 people picking holes in it immediately. Um, and, you know, and that's something that's actually really killed a bit of my enjoyment of uh, a lot of forums out there at the moment is that there's just always somebody out there ready to leap on what they don't like about something um, which you know yeah. doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a voice it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to voice it but I, I think that there are, are a lot of what I would have to call haters out there who may not actually even be people who are going to buy the product regardless you know, there's people out there on, on forums who, you know, when you actually boil it down to what they buy, they're not actually even collecting the action figures of the statues at the moment. But, um, you know, I, go, go to, let's leave DC for a moment, go to Bowen as an example. You know, Randy Bowen to me is a an absolutely awesome guy because he puts everything that he does out for comment. And, you know, and quite often there are such, to me, really nitpicky comments, you know. And some made. of them are quite nasty, too. Oh, they, they are. It's not just, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, not for me. And you think, well, then shut up. <laughs> like, if it's not, it's not for you, then, you know, like, you know, I mean, and he's, Randy, Randy's obviously got better self-esteem than I do because I'd be like, I hate you all and I'm boarding up the house and I'm never coming out again. You know, oh, no. I mean, there's some people that just, they just flat out, well, well, if this is the one you're going for, then, you know, I'm definitely not getting it. And, and I'm going to sell all my Bowens and smash them into a million pieces <laughs> and a pox mm. on your house because I don't like the shade of purple that you chose for Hawkeye. You yeah. think, oh, my gosh. You know, <laughs> It's that it's that that sort of um you know and and you know I think that we we've got to be careful that we sometimes don't bite the hands that feed us and think okay well that's too hard then you know if I can't, if I can't make you happy if I can't if I finally gave you this um you know classic what what I consider to be a classic version of this character and now you're complaining that you know it it has fists when it should have open hands and blah blah, blah well then fuck that I'm gonna go and you know make another modern spider-man because people will always buy that (laughs) i mean if Mm, gosh this this is one that could certainly (laughs) go for a while isn't it uh, i mean i understand that for someone like myself i've invested a lot of time energy money over the years to this hobby um to comics and statues and action figures and so uh, I do possess uh, a sense of entitlement on certain things. I mean, uh, you know, I could design the next six days of Marvel Legends um, and be over the moon, uh, but it's it's just not going to happen the way I want it to happen because of mm. simple economics. Yeah. But is there a, a happy median we should be aiming for so for example if whatever you know if dc universe classics was to ever pick up again and and then of course with marvel legends uh if we were to get something like a a five to two sorry a five 
figures in the, the new and two figures in the classic. Um, is that something that we could find acceptable? So we get Superman in his new costume and we get Iron Man in his latest incarnation, but, you know, one of the two figures in the wave is a, a two-gun kid or a, a Shang-Chi. Um <laughs> You know, is that something that that we should aim to be happy with if if it eventuated? Well, look, I mean, I think that absolutely, and I think that definitely the companies, I think, have sometimes, you know, not done the right thing in terms of keeping the fan base on side. Um, you know, I think so, and there can be false economy to say, right, well, this isn't selling anymore, so we're going to stop making it and then leaving people with half a set. Um, so, you know, go back to DC Direct and, uh, you know, the JSA is a great example where, you know, you, yeah. you almost finish off the, the classic JSA and leave just a couple of characters undone. You know, how hard would it be just to you know, put together a box set with the Johnny Thunder and the Thunderbolt and the Mr. Terrific and a couple of other of those, you know, missing characters in it uh, yeah. just to keep the fan base on side and then say, right, look, now we've got to move on to the modern stuff. But, you know, you kind of take more people with you because you haven't left people, you know, and I think that's one of the big mistakes that DC Direct made was that, you know, you, you leave people there who have jumped in and clicked wholeheartedly and they look and go, right, well, I've got, you know, my satellite satellite Justice League, but I don't have a Zatanna that fits, and I don't have a, you know, this character that fits. I've got my, you know, JSA, but I don't have Mr. Terrific. You know, I've got my Legion of Superheroes, but I've only got one female character. You know, I mean, that that, that is, uh, um, you know, th there's obviously uh, purchase, you know, monetary decisions behind why they went that way, but I think there's some false economy in not giving the, the the fan base a little bit more of what they wanted, a little bit more, you know, kind of sense of finishing off things, um, you know, before you move on to the next thing. So definitely, you know, I'd be, you know, I'd be happy to have the, that kind of a ratio in, in, in new things and just have that couple of, throw a couple of bones to the classic collectors once in a while. Definitely. I, I think I'd rather throw my energy into trying to drum up support for the characters that haven't been made. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we get Zatanna in the fishnets and then all people do is complain that they want the satellite Zatanna. But I'd rather go, okay, well, at least I've got a Zatanna. Mm -hmm. um, now I want, um, you know, Johnny Thunder. I mean... Mm -hmm. And, and put my effort into campaigning for the, the characters that I haven't got yet uh, rather than the, you know... I mean, the, the one that I think is just going to um, really set people off is going to be Huntress. Um, she's had so many variations to that costume that um, no mm. matter which, which version they bring out, is just, just going to be online call for blood. Because uh, <laughs> you just can't please all of the people all of the time. No, so that's, there's going to be a group that's pissed off no matter what. But see, that, that's where, for me, I don't, like, you know, Huntress is a good example. None of the likely versions that we're going to get are that dramatically different in my eye that I would care. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not, I mean, like, I, my preference would be the Earth 2, um, you know, classic version, obviously, which we actually have had a version of from DC Direct. But whatever whatever version comes out from DC Universe, then you'd have to think that they'll get to her eventually. Yeah, you know, that I'll just be able, be able happy to say, great, we've got Huntress. Yeah. You know, and I'm not I'm not gonna then 
say, oh, but you didn't make the one that I wanted with the three belly buttons and the blah, blah. <laughs> you know, I think that that is, that that is where we can get a bit entitled. You know, is yeah. I mean, you know, take for take an example. One of the characters I I love the original Batman and the Outsiders um, comic, and I've always had a soft spot for Katana. I don't know why. Um, and I noticed um, Eagle Moss is doing a DC chess set, and it's a Batman theme chess set with chess pieces. And I'm looking at collecting that for my for my eldest as a gift because she quite likes chess as well as the characters. And lo and behold, what's one of the characters that they're doing in there? Katana. And what version yeah. is it? It's the DC new version. Mm, you know, yeah. now, now, but, but, you know, like I look at that and go, uh, cool, I'm going to have a Katana. Yeah. Now, now do mm. I want, do I want that version? No, I want the classic version. I actually like the new, the new costume. Um, but, you know, it's not the costume that I've known for 20, 30 years. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, I think it's that kind of thing that, to me, if I buy that, then does it actually send a message that, hey, you know what, this character sells. Yeah. Maybe we should have a look at, you know, this version as well. I don't know. I just, just yeah. different thought. So, all right, well, we probably should start to wrap this up. So, um, <laughs> I, can you guys think of a an action figure that you've got that is in a version that is contrary to what you would have preferred, but you're still really, really happy with. And while you're thinking about it, I'll just, because one just stood out on my shelf. And for me, it would be the Marvel Legends Wave 5 Sabretooth in his sort of updated brown Jim Lee costume, as opposed to that sort of classic John Byrne look. Um, I think that Sabretooth is just brilliant uh i really do and um i, I do like the original john Byrne version the, the classic sort of iron fist and um i think of that um that cover to i think it's uncanny x-men 213 by um alan davis but um yeah that way five saber tooth is is perfect for me hmm. uh, yeah uh, look I, I will always look at a figure and appreciate it for its own merits you know so if it's a good figure then I'm not going to knock it just because it's not the version that I didn't want. So a recent example, um, the DC Direct Stephanie Brown Batgirl um, oh, yes. figure. I think that is an absolutely kick-ass female action figure. Um, you know, And, okay, we haven't had her as Robin. We haven't had her as Spoiler. We get the modern version. But that's a kick-ass costume. And it is a you know, and it's an outstanding action figure, and so you know, it, would it be the version of her that I would have chosen if I was going to have her on the shelf? No, but I you know, I'm not going to look at that and go, well, they didn't make the version that I, you know, wanted, so I'm not going to buy it because it's actually an excellent action figure. Cool. What about you, Andy? Okay. Well, I was just thinking about it, and um, I actually got the um, the brightest day Hawk and Dove. Um, now, Hawk is a whole other issue with his massive head and his tiny body, but I'm going, I'm going to rectify that myself. But, um, I would love to have had Don as Dove. I would love to have had the original Hawk and Dove, let's face it, but I am quite happy with Dawn. I'm quite happy to have her as well. So, you know, um, there, there is a pair that I really would, would have enjoyed as a classic pairing, but, um. You know, I'm quite happy with second place on this one. So that's the one I can think of offhand anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. 
There you go. All right. Well, maybe it's uh, one that we can revisit uh, another time, and I'm sure we'll get some feedback on this one. So Good discussion. So that wraps up our discussion topic, and we'll come back in a moment with some feedback before we wrap things up. Before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments or suggestions on future episodes, please email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you may just hear it read out. Well, since we're celebrating our 10th episode, we asked you what you're enjoying about the podcast so far, and we got some great responses. Joe at Facebook said, Love the passion you guys show for the little things, like belly buttons and character heights. <laughs> <laughs> and would it be cheeky for me to say I like the competitions too? <laughs> Joe's actually one of the guys from Massive Attack who won our prize. Uh-huh. Now. Uh, wink, wink, yeah. nod, nod. Yes, and I think belly buttons goes back to the Marvel Legends discussion with the yeah. <clears throat> um, belly buttons that you know uh, show right, through yes. the ladies' clothes on their female buck. <laughs> uh, so long it's ago. all in the design. It's all in the design. It's all in the design. <laughs> then we have feedback from a couple of fellows who you're going to get to know better in the coming episodes, as we're hoping to have them both as guest hosts on the show. Scott, who have you got one from? Yeah, well, this bit of feedback comes from our friend John, who goes by Engineer Nerd. Um, he's got his own site which is fantastic called tv and film toys and he also posts regularly at the afb forum he runs a a game at the forum called name that and he's someone that we're hoping to have on the show in a fairly short amount of time and he says i have really enjoyed the fresh take that you guys have brought to the toy podcast for me i really appreciate that you guys aren't doing this as hardcore experts but just as the average collector on the street most of the other podcasts I listen to are more specific to covering certain lines, so the interaction that the AFB cast has is a bit different because you all collect differently. I also love the fact that you guys are covering all sorts of ground in your figure of the week. It makes it a more general collecting show, which is pretty cool. I have to also say I'm really loving the red card segment, although secretly I worry you guys will call me out on something. <laughs> never, never. It's not something that's it's not always easy to say bad things when doing this, which is why I like it. You guys aren't blindly raging, just offering thoughtful, deserved criticism. Well, we hope so. Um, <laughs> and finally, he says, listening to you guys is just like chatting with you in the forum. I feel like I'm in the warm company of good nerd friends, except Ben, his lack of pants frightens me. Uh, yeah, I resemble that. Yes, and, yeah. and that's why we remain an audio podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's a nice bit of feedback, and I think that that you know the comment which we've had a lot that people like the fact that we're just trying to bring the average collector's ex- you know, perspective to it, which is what a- AFB is all about. You know, it's the collector's journey, and that's what we wanted the podcast to be about as well. So it's great to have that feedback that people are um, finding it on that level. So thank you very much, John. That's right, and have a little bit of fun along the way too, of course. For sure. I'm looking forward to having John on, actually. He's an absolute champion bloke, so I'm sure that's going to be a very interesting show. For sure. <laughs> and what about you, Ben? What do you got? 
Um, yeah, I got some feedback from our good buddy Tom, aka Freak Studios. He's uh, from the other down under, that is um, Argentina. Um, Tom sent us a message and said, I don't usually tell my internet toy collector friends this, but I've worked in radio as a producer and as a DJ host for six years. Because of that, and because I got used to professional shows, I really have a hard time relating to most podcasts. I usually find them quite snobby, slow, and pretty much boring and uninteresting. But that's not the case with the AFB podcast. I listen to it every week. It's my first official iTunes podcast, and I really try to figure out why. Uh, it's not only because you are funny and your stories, since you live in Australia, resemble my own. Because that's all true, but it's not only that. It's not because after all the time I've spent in the forum, I consider you all my friends, and I think I know you pretty well, even though I've only met Ben in person. Wow, that's and also... he still likes us. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also true, but still not the reason. I think it's because you're honest. You don't try to be PC or avoid the word fuck because you use old ads and give listeners a break because the sections aren't too long. Um, the red card is a great idea and because you talk like collectors, not critics. You let us learn more about you, you talk about your children and your personal life and the, the dinner you just ate. Um, <laughs> you're not toy nerds. Mm. Uh, well, you, you certainly are, but you're not only that. You are people from the other side of the world that I'm glad to call my friends and that's because I'm very lucky I get to listen every week. Fan and friend, Tom. So, that's cool. Wow. It is, yeah. Cool. No, Tom is a great guy. Yeah, we we are really looking forward to introducing you to him as well, hopefully shortly. Indeed, indeed. We have time zone issues with these people that aren't in Australia in terms of working out when we can record with them at a time that, you know, works for us as well. But, you know, we are a global community and we will we will make it work. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So um, before we bring the show to a close... Uh, we'd just like to remind everyone about the Action Figure Blues, the Thing from Another World custom competition. Now, this is our um, fourth Action Figure customising competition, and they just keep getting better, and we get more participants everyone, which is brilliant. So if you'd like to be part of the fun, please head over to www.afbforum.com for all the details. I know I'm in, you're in, Ben, and so are you, aren't you, Scott? I am indeed. I'm dremeling away. Yeah, <laughs> away. Not, not that I'm sort of bragging or anything, but, you know, I've got a title to defend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not that he's bragging or anything. No, 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 oh. no, not at all. No, <laughs> no. Did I mention PayPal. I won the last competition? Oh, yeah, no. anyway. yeah, my PayPal donation obviously wasn't big enough. In that <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Uh, well, look, that, um, that brings us to the end of episode number 10. I think we, you know, we've done a pretty good job of covering all the different topics this week. And as, as always, gentlemen, it's been fun chatting with you. And uh, we yeah. hope that you've enjoyed listening as well, not just for our own pleasure. Uh, you'll be able to download future episodes of the podcast by going to actionfigureblues.com and clicking on the podcast tab or by subscribing to iTunes. Uh, if you do go to iTunes, please take the time to leave us a positive rating and review. It will help other people to find the podcast as well. So greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. While you are at actionfigureblues.com, you might like to check out the reviews and articles there and perhaps visit some of our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, Big Bad Toy Store, and PopCulture.com, who all help to keep the site running and the lights on. 
When we are not podcasting or blogging or doing other hobby-related activities, you can find us all at the Action Figure Blues Forum at afbforum.com. And while we're there, I post as Andy, just to confuse things. That's a long story. And uh, Andy posts as FB, and Ben posts as Fish Milkshake. We would love to hear from you with any comments or suggestions for future Toys of the Week or red cards or discussion topics, and you can do it all by emailing us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com or, of course, by joining the forum and telling us there. You can also follow Action Figure Blues on Twitter at AFBlues and like the Action Figure Blues page on Facebook at facebook.com slash actionfigureblues. And with that, I think we've taken up enough of your time. So thanks. Good job, boys. Thanks very much for doing episode 10 with us, and we look forward to chatting to you again soon. Say goodbye, Bye. everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs> I would just like to point out, listening back, that mm-hmm. normally... The, the intro always gets stuffed up when I'm hosting, but normally it's not by me. <laughs> that I just like. <laughs> so what are you saying exactly? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Andy, you ready to do, be all introduction-y? I'm ready. Ready. <laughs> me 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop doing this at night when everyone's tired. Yeah, I said yeah. introduction-y, not freaky. Um, <laughs> sorry if it got no, garbled right. there. I'm not sure. Okay. It's a shame we couldn't leave. We couldn't leave all the dog barks in because then what we could do is for our 25th episode, it's like we want you to go through the previous episodes and count up the dog barks uh, and tell us when they occur. Uh, <laughs> you can win a prize. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> So here we go, classic or modern. What do you think, guys? <laughs> yeah, I'll just throw it out to all 12,000 of you. And, it's you know... an absolute powder keg. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me do my impression of crickets chirping. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, the only thing that could have topped that is if one of you had just gone, huh? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs>